I've always loved the Old Testament. We can learn so much from it. As we read the victories that God provides for his people, as we read the times that his people are discouraged and how Moses turned to God, and it shows us a pattern that we go through this life as children of God, totally resting in peace and joy and in his provision for us, and then all of a sudden a problem happens. When we cry out, help me, God, and then God brings to our mind by his spirit what to do or gives us a scripture to build faith that we don't have to do anything. Either way, we are restored by God And we, once again, are joyful in God and in His help and His provision and in the knowledge that we are not alone on this earth, that He guides us and leads us, just as He guided the children of Israel out of Egypt and through all of the problems that they encountered in the wilderness. I see this whole Old Testament as an example for us to strengthen us, to encourage us, to show us God and how he works and how simple it is for him to do things that are impossible for us to do. One puff and he caused the Red Sea to cover the enemies of God and destroy them. They went into the wilderness rejoicing. Three days later there was a problem. What did they do in the midst of the problem? The Old Testament shows us what not to do and what to do. It's all an example for us. Exodus 15, a great victory has just taken place. God has destroyed Pharaoh and all of his army in the Red Sea. Exodus 15 verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. That's exactly the way we are. When we are born again through the years and through the many trials and examples, God becomes our salvation. And more and more and more, as we have experience with God, we know he will help us. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. I will prepare him a habitation. By turning to him, I'm showing him, you can live in me. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. 
Pharaoh's chariots and his host he hath cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue them. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. But thou didst blow with thy wind, and the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. With just one puff, God destroyed the enemies of the children of Israel, and they were finished. Verse 11, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretched out thy hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Same thing today. Those of us born again were born again not by our own will. God just chose to reveal to us the truth, and we were born again by the truth. Just as Peter was born again by the truth, God revealed to Peter that Jesus Christ was Lord. It's not that we believe by our own self. Why is it that some believe and others don't believe? Why does that happen? It's because God opens our eyes to believe and redeems us from our way of life. Look at verse 13 once again. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. The enemies of the children of Israel shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants. Of the various countries, he's saying. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm shall they be still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till all the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Our lives have been purchased today by the blood of Jesus Christ. God has opened our eyes to believe that, to believe in the Word of God. 
It's exactly the same as this Old Testament example. When God chose the children of Israel and caused Abraham to bring forth a great nation, God opened their eyes to believe. At one point in time, he, God, revealed himself by his word to Abraham. And he told him what to do. And Abraham did that which God told him to do. The son of Abraham, Isaac, at first didn't know God. His father knew God, but he didn't know God. But at one point, God revealed himself to Isaac. And then Isaac knew God. God spoke to him and revealed himself. Then Isaac knew God. Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau, God revealed himself to Jacob. At first, Jacob didn't know God, but he knew his father Isaac had a God, and he knew his father Abraham had a God. And God revealed himself by saying, I am the God of thy father. And Jacob's eyes were opened by God, and he believed God. So we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph's eyes were opened by God. And on and on and on, until we have the elect of God, the children of God today, the saints of God today. The saints simply mean they're chosen by God. God has revealed himself to them. So we have generation after generation after generation from the time of the beginning of this earth where God created man and woman and revealed himself to individuals. And now we approach the end of this world. The end of this world when Jesus will return through the clouds and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are still living on the earth will be given new heavenly bodies and they will rise and meet Jesus and the resurrected and be taken to the new heaven and the new earth which God has created for his children for all eternity, which we currently call heaven. So going back to Exodus 15, verse 16, Fear and dread shall fall upon all of the enemies of the children of God. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be still as stones till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Those who are born again, those who have had their eyes opened to Jesus as a Savior to the Holy Scriptures, those who have been given faith and had their eyes open to God. Verse 17, Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountains of thine inheritance. In the Old Testament, they were going to be given the land of Canaan, and one by one, they will drive out the people 
in those villages and in those cities. And they will take possession of that land. That's just simply like us being taken into the new heaven and the new earth, which has been created by God for us. It's all a parallel, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, in the exact place which God has made and created for his children. It's the same thing today. These Old Testament scriptures should give us faith in God that he will work in our life as he did in the life of the children of Israel. God has a way of escape for us when there's a problem. He has a way, and don't we see how easy it is for God? He parted the Red Sea, and then with one puff, he caused the waters to fall over the enemy and destroy them. He has a way. And these scriptures give us faith in God. God will deliver the New Testament church, which is born again, and take them to the new heaven and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, which he has created for the elect of God. Revelation 21 John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. See, we're given new heavenly bodies. We won't have these fleshly bodies like we have today. We're given new spiritual bodies before we're taken into this new heaven and new earth. Therefore, there cannot be any more death because the spirit doesn't die. And there can't be any more sorrow because the flesh is not there to permit this sorrow to happen. And there will not be any more pain because it's by this flesh that we have physical pain. If it weren't for this flesh, we wouldn't have this physical pain. So you see, we will not have these fleshly bodies for they are subject to corruption, to decay, to being destroyed. The new spiritual body, which is a spirit created in the image of God, that heavenly body it will not be subject to any of these things that this fleshly body are subject to. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I create all things new. 
So the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt and heading into the wilderness to go to the land that God has promised them. And they have just seen great victories. They saw them in Egypt. All the miracles that God caused to happen to cause Pharaoh to let them go out of Egypt. They saw Pharaoh and his horses and men killed in the Red Sea. So now they say, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Exodus 15. And they say, for the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the water. Exodus 15, verses 20-21 And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tremble in her hand, and all the women went out after her with trembles and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Seeing their enemies, the Egyptians destroyed, caused them to rejoice greatly. The problem is over. They started forth in peace and joy. And most likely they thought there would be no more trouble. But immediately there was a problem in the wilderness. Now the important thing is, what do you do with the problem? Well, we're going to see over and over and over that they murmur against Moses. They blame Moses for bringing them out of Egypt. And yet they forget the Egyptians, Pharaoh, had ordered that every one of the Hebrew male children be killed at birth. All of the male children would be killed at the time of birth. If it was a daughter, Pharaoh told the midwives to keep the daughter alive, but to kill the male children. Now, the midwives did not do that, but that was their order. They forget the rigors that Pharaoh put on them in the bondages where they were making bricks for his cities. They forget all the problems they had in Egypt that God delivered them from because they've run into one problem out here in the wilderness. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness rejoicing, being led by God by a pillar of a cloud in the day that was over the tabernacle and by a pillar of fire at night when God wanted them to move at night, which was over the tabernacle. God was showing them, them, he was leading them, and yet they were blaming Moses when he led them into the wilderness and something went wrong. God was taking them by the exact right way for them to go. It was God who put them 
with their back to the Red Sea. Well, that's a terrible position to be in, and yet God led them to that position. Pharaoh was coming toward them with 600 chariots, and their back was to the Red Sea. What are we going to do? We're in a terrible position. God just simply parted the Red Sea and took them through it and used the Red Sea to destroy Pharaoh. That's what life is like. Exodus 15, start at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness, and they were three days in the wilderness and found no water. So what'd they do then? Well, when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters, for they were bitter. Verse 24, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Murmur means complained. As we go through these books of the Old Testament, you're going to see that happen over and over and over. And you're going to see God was very unhappy with those who were overthrown in the wilderness. That's the same we have today. God is pleased when we turn to him in the midst of the problem and wait on him to give us the answer. And then we act upon that which he has told us. And then we are rejoicing again. That is the direction that pleases God. And we will see that throughout these Old Testament scriptures. The children of Israel should have known it was God leading them, for they witnessed the miracles of God which he performed in Egypt to get them free from the Egyptians. None but God could do such things. Isn't it the same with us? None but God could cause us to be born again and be recreated as a new creature. None but God could do that. Do we stop and remember the time that God revealed himself to us and open our eyes so we could see the truth? That's a great miracle. That's as great as the miracle of what God did in Egypt. And that should give us faith that he won't forsake us and that he will show us what to do in the midst of the problem, anytime there's a problem. Now that's what we learn to do by reading these Old Testament scriptures and then by applying them to our own lives. And we should say, wouldn't God make provision for us as he did the children of Israel when he led them forth into the wilderness? We walk in a great wilderness of this world. Don't we today have faith in God based on those things which we have seen God do for us in the past? Exodus 15, verse 25. And he, Moses, cried out unto the Lord when there was no water in the wilderness. There are 600,000 men in that wilderness, children of God plus children and wives, so well over a million in the wilderness at the time. It would take a lot of food and water to care for them, 
And they left Egypt the night of the uh, killing of the firstborn. They didn't take any vision with them. They didn't make plans ahead of time. They just left on foot into the wilderness. Verse 25, And he, Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there God made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Verse 27. And they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees. That would be seventy palm trees. And they encamped there beside the waters. They are at rest again. As they head out through the wilderness, many things are going to happen to them. As we read these in the days ahead, we can apply these to our lives. That's why we have these examples, is so we can see the correct way to go instead of doing what they did. These Old Testament examples teach us today. I have met a woman in church who thought the problem should be over and ended forever. I've met other people who thought you should be totally happy after you're born again. Now there should be no problems. That's that old song, now I am happy all the day. Well, that's not true. Because what happens to us on this earth is the following. We go forth on this earth in great peace and joy because God has chosen us and we trust in him and we love the word of God. But then a problem surfaces. Don't we have problems? Of course we do. Then a problem surfaces. We are troubled. We call on God for help. And God shows us what to do in the problem or reminds us of a scripture. And we rejoice again in God. And we do that which God shows us to do if he shows us something to do. And it works. And we again rejoice that God helped us in the problem. And then we again go forth in peace and joy, resting in God. And then there's a problem. See, thus the Apostle Paul says to us, Philippians 4, 6, 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. My cousin, who was in Church of Christ from the time she was a baby, had reached the age of 97. 
she communicated to me and said, I do very well during the day, but I get so lonely in the evenings. And I said, oh, that's no problem. All you have to do is when you start to get lonely, turn to God and ask him to help you. And he will. Now, what did she do with that information? About two weeks later, I got a letter from the same cousin. And she said, I do well in the day, but at evening I'm so lonely. She showed me proof that she did not do what I told her to do, which is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. She didn't do it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Paul tells us exactly what to do here. It's not a matter that we try not to be concerned about a problem. That's the wrong way to go. That is the wrong way to go. Problems will come. When the problem comes, what do we do with it? We say, oh God, help me. That's exactly what we do. An almost perfect example of this happened this year at 2021. All of a sudden, I was bombarded with thoughts. I'm 84 almost. I was bombarded with these thoughts. What if it gets to where you can't walk in the future? You'll have to move to assisted living. What will you do then? Where will you go? How will you do this? I said, oh, God, help me. And I heard, God will supply all your need. I said, oh, that's right. So basically, there is no problem. If the problem hits, God will supply my need. But that doesn't mean you don't call out to God in the midst of a problem. Every time the problem comes, turn to God fast. Learn to call out on God. It's not to be strong in yourself. You'll fail that way. It is not to say God would never let me that happen to me. We see that God lets lots of things happen to people. But it's calling out to God in the midst of the problem. Turning to God, he tells you what to do. And then you have faith in what he says by his spirit. And then you don't have a problem. You're rejoicing again. He restores my soul. That's how he does it. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the Word. Because God will frequently give you a word when you call out to him. And you say, oh, that's right. That's what will happen. And then you rejoice again and all the heaviness leaves you. That's what means he restoreth my soul. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He's looking over us. He's showing us. When it's time to move, when it's time to stay still. Therefore, we do not want because we're following him. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. 
He restoreth my soul. Many have been the times that God has restored my soul. There's been a problem. I called out to God. He gave me the answer. At the time the problem surfaced, I was very disturbed. I was no longer going in peace and joy. I was upset over the problem. But God showed me what to do, and then there was no problem. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for the word's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Today we have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who teaches us all things, reminds us of everything Jesus has said, guides us into all truth, and shows us things to come. John fourteen twenty six, John sixteen thirteen. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy, God showing us the way to go. We have the Holy Spirit after we're born again. He lives in us, and he is not only the comforter, but he is the spirit of truth, and he will bring to our mind, truth, which is the way to go. So we have everything that we need. We just need to apply these scriptures to our own lives and build our faith in God by thinking on that which God has done for us in the past. And by reading these examples in the Old Testament, which show us God visibly working in the lives of the children of Israel, of his children. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.